York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. Time show where we give it that Knicks talk just in the nick of time. We do not have the full cast today, but I'm here with Lee to give y'all the update to the game. So the Knicks beat the Grizzlies 106.90. Really been this close because the Grizzlies had just the pips out there. There was no lead singer. There was there wasn't even backup singers. These are dudes, basically G League dudes and dudes at the back of the bench playing for the Grizzlies today. And the Knicks played very sloppy in the first quarter. I think, I mean, in the first half, gave up ninth, gave up, I think, 14 turnovers, which was crazy, 23 turnovers for the game. But the Knicks were able to dominate them on the boards, 56-35, and, and were able to pull out the victory. So before I get into it, um, I'm going to introduce my guy, the Latin assassin, the Escobedo. Let the people know how you're feeling tonight. <clears throat> Pissed. The Knicks got really lucky winning this game. Uh, the only reason they won is because of a talent differential from Memphis to us. But these weren't, as I told you outside the show, for sure, sorry, these weren't the pips. These were the pups. These weren't people who were even supposed to be singing, performing, or dancing. In fact, if this was the Apollo, these are the Sandmans. The guys come out with the broom to, to, to sweep the bums <laughs> off the stage uh, and are never expected to be called upon to be the main act. Uh, it was an embarrassing performance in the first half. I think they started playing tougher D and had better energy in the second half. But the overall flow of the game, it never improved from where even to the Mavs game. They've been kind of in this... It's a rut that's like half laziness uh, and half incompetence. That free-flowing, high-assist offense that we saw the first five games of OG's arrival—I don't know where it is. We're getting a lot. We're getting back to you know short mid-range Randall pull-ups. We're getting back to a lot of isolation play, uh, even for Dante Divincenzo and OG, where these guys are better when they're playing off-ball, catching for easy layups or getting you know catching them in the corners. For three pointers, but when you don't have Jalen Brunson, the anchor of your offense, the motor of your offense, the good and bad of Deuce and Bride. I've never had any issue with Deuce and Bride's offensive output. He's actually become a decent three point shooter. Kind of reminds me of like a, a better Pablo Prigioni. He can actually be counted on to hit a three from time to time, and he's always doing everything possible defense and his activity, but he's not a playmaker. He's not someone who gets other guys involved, and our bench is continues to suffer. Uh, with the uh, Petra Sotura giving you nine minutes of trash, uh, Josh Hart pretty much being like a, a non-factor of this game. Uh, yeah, it's it's embarrassing. I think we definitely need an upgrade. Uh, Grimes had has some moments, but overall n nothing uh, impressive. We really we need that backup point guard. I'm gonna continue to to harp on that and to sound the bullhorn. I really hope Leon Rose is has the phones worked working tonight, trying to get us a true third option. 
Does Ogia Anobi as good as he is, he is not a third option on offense. We don't currently have a third option. And right now, Dante DiVincenzo is uh, masquerading as our third option. And it leads to games like this. This if this was in a vacuum where the rest of the games since the trade were damn near perfect, but that Mavs one and it coming right before this one, to me, it, it should sound an alarm. Not that we're in trouble or we're bursting pores, but there's more work to be done. And that work is a backup point guard. Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm going to admit, um, after seeing the way the Knicks played the Mavericks last night, where they came out lethargic and the Mavericks were able to jump on them and build up a 20 point lead, and the way that the Knicks came back in the game in the second half and cut it down to one, almost being able to win the game, I would have thought that the Knicks would have came out with a bit more effort in this game to start and at least try to match the effort of their opponent on the court. And it was pretty much the same thing from last night. The Knicks came out. The Grizzlies, look, these are a bunch of guys where they don't get a lot of playing time. You know, so for, for these guys, this is an opportunity for them to get extensive playing time and show their worth to their coach. And what happens is that these guys, these guys come out with a lot of energy because they have a lot to prove. And the Knicks are probably looking at these guys like, you know what, like we were facing a bunch of bums tonight, so we we could play, we could pretty much play half ass and win this game. And what happens is that the Grizzlies jump up, jump out on them. The Knicks play sloppy, fourteen turnovers in the first half, which pretty much keeps the Grizzlies in the game and actually had the lead going into halftime. Knicks were able to clean up in the second half because at the end of the at the end of the day, yeah, effort. Effort can only do so much for you. At the, you know, talent's gonna probably overwhelm the effort sooner or later. That's what the Knicks had. They had more talent. That's what pretty much got them over the hump. But I do want to highlight a couple of players right quick. Um, McBride had a good game. You have to give him his props. Nineteen points, six rebounds, five assists. I do agree with Lee though because if you look at this game, the the lack of playmaking from the point guard position put a lot of pressure on Julius Randle to try and make other guys better on the court. And if you look at Julius Randle's stats tonight, 24 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, but he also had six turnovers. I, As much as Julius Randle has improved this season, I don't really trust Julius Randle as a main playmaker on the court. And without Brunson on the court, that's what's going to happen. So that extra playmaker – that the, that the Knicks need, they they need to get that playmaker. They need to get, they need to bring in somebody that can actually run an offense, get others involved, get them easy shots and things of that nature. Because yeah, OG is not really a third option. Devin is not really a third option. Those guys are really spot up shooters for the most part. You know, you find them in the corners and they'll knock down that open three and things of that nature. So Knicks still need that third option. And I'm hoping that Leon and his crew is searching for the best person available to fill that void. But yeah, this is a game where the Knicks should have really came out and punched these dudes in the mouth from early and not give them a hope, no no type of hope, period, to win this game. And that was disappointing, but at the end of the day, a win is a win, and you, you got to take them how they come. Yeah, I did some research, and I think the majority of the combinations you saw tonight from Memphis Five-man combinations have never shared their floor together, not in the NBA or even in the G League. These are guys that are at different points in their career. You know, you have some vets like Luke Kennard that have been in the NBA for a while, journeyman. We need to have some really, really young guys like uh, 
Gigi, who had a fantastic game tonight and cooked us. And it was another one of those opportunities where guys are getting career highs who shouldn't have career highs. Uh, almost damn near triple doubles. It's I don't know what it is about our franchise, no matter who's at the at the GM level, who's at the coaching level, and who's on the floor. We always open ourselves up and present ourselves a team you can come in and just have a career night and just drain through Luke Kennard, eight points per game, drain threes on us. I'm like, bro, man, when is this gonna end? When is this team gonna be a team of identity and pride where we're no longer the team we can come in and have an opportunity to just cut somebody. It don't even matter who's on you, bro. Like Tyree Irving did it. Yeah, he's great, but his skills have diminished as he's getting older. And we don't see those type of nights from him anymore. Career revitalization when you play the Knicks. There's a couple of things I think the Knicks could have done. To, or not just do today, but add to their offensive system that I think would go a long way in making our offense a little bit more have a little more synergy because if you watch Memphis, these I, I brought that up for a reason. These guys have shared floor, but even the first possession, they found a backdoor cut for an easy two points. I said, like, these guys never played together, and they, they, they at least have the instincts and the knowledge or set plays to where you know where guys as a first, second, third option to play, wherever we're going to be. The Knicks don't have that because of Tibbs read and react offense. We take what the, what the, the defense has given us, and to me, it's very really frustrating because. Almost every game is a potential trap game because we're so predictable. And if we could add a few things to our offensive sets, and I did some research here, I think it would go a long way. I've been watching Denver, Sacramento, and Houston because I'm writing a piece on Al Prince and Dunn, the Turkish bid man for the Rockets, and how I think he's going to be a superstar. So I'm also watching Demonte Sabonis in Sacramento and Joker in Denver. And the dribble handoff is an opportunity that I think with Isaiah Hartenstein as our starting center, that is a play that we can incorporate on the offensive side, that would free up and allow our guards to have much cleaner looks for three. Imagine with Dante B. DiVincenzo even better, how much even more he could be unlocked with, with him having more wide-open looks. Yet, we're only eighth or ninth in the lead in dribble handoff opportunities, and the guys at uh, Sacramento and Denver are way up definitely Denver. So Sacramento actually might be third in the NBA in dribble handoff opportunities. But you know, you know what we are really good at? Transition which is a pro thing. We, I mean, last year we were bottom of the league in transition points. Now we're eighth. Isolation we've cut down. We were second last year behind Philadelphia. Now we're in the middle of the pack, 16, 17. But cuts, the simple concept of cutting to the ball, to, to, to the hoop without the ball, we're 26th in the NBA. That's a lack of play calling on Tip's part to put in wrinkles in the offense where guys who need to get the ball, to, to have an easy shot to get going, the OGs, the Grimes, the McBrides, why not? Why are we playing more more opportunities for them to cut to the basket when we have a guy with Isaiah Hardenstein, who isn't just a great dribble handoff player, but in the high post, he finds these guys. We're calling him Baby Joker for a reason. We watched Sin Gun do it. We watched Sabonis do it. We watched Joker do it. Three guys who have the highest usage rates in dribble handoffs for a reason, because their centers can play as point guard when your point guard's out. This is a perfect game for us to add those wrinkles, and we didn't. And it's another opportunity where it's like we rely on isolation, very difficult long twos, and bricking threes to try to maintain a lead against G-leaguers. Literal G-leaguers. Uh, entire roster dies who probably won't be in the NBA in two years. This win's on Tibbs. Like, it, it's a win, but the, how it happened, how sloppy it was, that's squarely on Tibbs. Don't fire him. Just criticize it. Yeah, I do agree with the back cuts. It's funny because with the back cuts and people moving without the ball, 
there are games where guys will do it. There are games where I've seen, like, for example, when OG just came to the Knicks, he was he was doing back cuts and making cuts to the basket, and they were able to find him for easy buckets. Yes. Um, sometimes Grimes will do it. Um, sometimes Dante will do it. Like there, are, there are times when they do it. They just don't do it often enough. It's it's like they pick and choose when to do it. Some games you see it happen, and the games like tonight, it doesn't happen. So. I do think Knicks have guys that are that have at least the wherewithal to be like, you know what, maybe I should make a back cut to the basket and things of that nature. It could be also the style of the offense because like a lot of times when because the Knicks prioritize that corner three. So a lot of good times those guys are standing on the corners waiting for the ball where, you know, sometimes they could be like, you know what, maybe my defender's a bit too close to me, guarding me at the three point line. Let me beat him up. Let me beat him baseline, you know, on the back cut and see if I can get an easy baskets. So maybe. It's just trying to, you know, trying to tell those guys, like, look, I know that you're waiting for the corner three, but if you see an opportunity to cut to the basket, cut. So that is something that the Knicks can incorporate into their offense. And I agree with the um the handoffs as well. That could also be something they can incorporate also. But I think at the end of the day, um, the Knicks definitely need another playmaker, somebody who can actually run an offense and actually provide some scoring poppies. And as you can see tonight, against the Grizzlies, and I know sometimes it's hard for players to get up for these kind of games, especially when they look at the other team's roster and see, like, eight guys out, and they're playing a bunch of playing against a bunch of guys who's in, who are G League. A few of them are bench players. A few of them are end-of-bench players and things of that nature. It's hard to get up for those games sometimes as professional athletes. But at the same time, it's like watching the Knicks play tonight, it's clear as day that when Brunson's not there, this offense is in shambles. And you definitely need somebody that can at least back up Brunson with the playmaking and with the shot creation and things of that nature. So those I, are I'm very a, good. Those are very good points, Lee, in regards to the Knicks' offense. I, I want to respond to that too. You remember when OG? I think it was his very first game. They're like, OG, how are you so successful? And he was like, I talked to coach. Coach just kept me. I told me to cut. Just cut, cut, cut until I learned the playbook. It worked. Why, when it worked, would you move away from it? And why would you not just apply it to OG, but apply it to the other guys who are, need someone to help them initiate a shot? Again, the Hearts, the Grimes, uh, the McBrides. Have those guys cut too so you get them into a rhythm so that now all of a sudden they don't have to worry and, and say, damn, am I going to score this tonight? But you have four quick, easy points from a cut, and you have a center who can find these guys in Hartenstein. He's a super high IQ, and he wants to be more involved in the offense. It's it's like when you see the proof and you still reverse course and go against it, that's the, those Tisby Tibbin. That type of stuff that makes me pull my hair out, dude. And I was at the Mavs game, literally ripping my hair out of my head because of the way that he was coaching that team and ended up in an L. Today, again, the only reason we won is because the team was vastly inferior on the talent side. Vastly. These are guys who aren't even like rotation players, unlike the Knicks. And that's also so frustrating. We are a team that shouldn't have any uh, difficulty getting up for these type of games you just described. Trap games. Because our roster is veteran laden. Quickly's no longer here. RJ's no longer here. Obi's no longer here. We got Josh Hart, Isaiah Hartenstein, OG. These are vets. Really, Medusa Bride's the only non-vet because Grimes isn't playing that much. Precious, been the lead for a while, played played for three teams. Like, why why is this team struggle so much in these type of situations, not getting up, especially when coached by a veteran guy like Tibbs? That type of like 
it's very hard to understand. It's very hard to wrap your head around and try to quantify the how and the why. And that just makes it even more frustrating. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So before I move on, I want to shout out the chat right quick. Thank you for chilling with us on a Saturday night. I know y'all can be outside. I mean, I don't know how the weather is where y'all are at. But over here in Indianapolis, it's like 19 degrees outside. It's snowing. So, you know, my ass got to definitely be inside. So, <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to shout out the chat right quick. Um, Glamour Knicks, the best mod in the game. Fritz holding it down as usual. Oh. Terran Mosley, Marshall L. Marvin Smith, B. Willis, Roberto Rivera Jr., Michael Moss, Drip Moore. Everyone who's in the chat with us, we really appreciate it. So now I want to talk about um, a couple of players. Hardenstein tonight, he had 12 points, 20 rebounds, seven of those being offensive, four blocks. And iHeart was definitely one of the heroes of the game tonight. What did you, what did you think about his game tonight, Lee? Got to find a way to extend him. I think a healthy, a healthy competitive force at the center position is good for the team. Uh, I think it's important for Mitch to have someone behind him. It's light fire under his ass to maintain his defensive intensity and try to do his best to stay healthy and not get into foul trouble and start adding little things to his game. Maybe a baby hook or a 15 foot jump shot, the Taj Gibson shot, you know, a set shot, something like that. Uh, and vice versa for Hardenstein. I think Hardenstein now has become a better rebounder playing next to Mitchell Robinson and watching how his instincts impact offensive and, and defensive glass. So it's, it's good for both. I wish, Brunson had and Randall had that too. That counterpart on a bench that really and because Obi was so different, I don't think Randall really took him seriously. And Obi's leash was so short, he never had an opportunity to really uh, impact things because of his defensive and rebounding deficiencies. But I wish Randall and Brunson had that guy who had a very similar, maybe a similar skill set, or was good at the basics, the fundamentals, and really challenged them to add things to their game. Brunson get better on defense, Randall to have better effort. Because uh, right now our center position is one of the best in the NBA for that type of competitive nature between the backup and the and the starter. Hardenstein's maintained case, not only to be the starter, but get the bad. And I hope there's a way that we can unload someone, I don't know, maybe making like 18 million a year. I can't shoot threes. Maybe Josh Hart, I don't know, man. If we can unload somebody, so you make sure to, to pay Isaiah Hartenstein, that would be premium. There's no way we can pull a Dallas Mavericks and watch Hartenstein walk for nothing this summer. That would be a major bum move by Leon Rose. And typically, Leon Rose isn't a bum unless it's Trey Obi Toppin for two picks uh, or not taking Tyrese Halliburton over Obi Toppin. There's this couple Obi Toppin-related bum reasons. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I love it. Hartenstein, I told you, president, CEO of the iHeart Hive, my first hive, and I'm glad it's with the big, the big German. My dad's a beast, man. He's also really likable. My dad points up and out. I hadn't thought about it. Like, Hartenstein's one of the few guys that make Randall smile. Brunson's another. Like, there's something about Hartenstein's game. Randall really enjoys playing with Hartenstein, and clearly the lanes are more open when Hartenstein's out there with Mitchell, especially, unfortunately, now RJ's gone. I don't know who's going to be the lob guy for Mitch. Uh, but Hartenstein can do his own thing, put the ball on the floor a little bit. He's got much better hands, he's better catching the ball than Mitchell Robinson. So he adds so many different things to our lineup that help when Brunson's there or not, because Brunson himself is not the best playmaker and off offensive initiator for others as much as he is himself. So, man, I heart in a lot of ways picked up right where Mitch was as MVP of a team. You can make an argument uh, and elite rebounder, elite shot blocker, and elite passer. Yeah, man, um, iHeart definitely played well tonight, and to me, he's one of the reasons why the Knicks won tonight. 
I mean, there was nobody the Grizzlies had that could even match up with him. My man was just snagging rebounds like crazy. Every every time the ball went up and it missed, he was there to grab the rebound and secure the rebound for the Knicks. Um, but yeah, I it's really interesting because iHeart has so many dimensions to his game, and when he's on the court, you see how it helps the team, especially with spacing, as you said, his passing and things of that nature, and It'll be interesting when Mitchell Robinson comes back because they, because they both have two different games per se, and they both have strengths that are a bit different. And with Mitch, you already know defensively he's gonna lock down the four. You know what I mean? And yeah. with iHeart, you know he's gonna add the passing, the different dimensions to his game, and things of that nature. I think it's gonna be really interesting if the Knicks are able to keep him past this season when training camp comes and those two guys compete for the starting position i think it's going to be really interesting to see who's going to come out on top between those two but yeah iheart is definitely making a big case for himself to start and i'm hoping praying to the almighty basketball guys that leon finds a way to keep iheart on this roster going into next season i'm gonna say something crazy i think the other 29 teams in the nba they're not the knicks I think they all would value Hardenstein more than Mitchell Robinson. As a Knit fan and a supporter of a team and a huge fan of Mitchell Robinson, I disagree. I value Mitch higher because I think he embodies what we all have wanted in our centers and our centers of the past and Willis Reed, Patrick Ewing. Like he's that dominating force in the center that can lock things down with rim protection and shot blocking. But I think that where the NBA is trending towards. Hartenstein fits that mold infinitely better than Mitchell Robinson. Mitch is of that that ilk, the Clint Capella ilk, which is slowly being phased out of the NBA. And you have to be an elite rim runner and a lob threat, which Mitch is, to really maximize that skill set. But what Hartenstein has with the passing, with the flow game around the rim, with the high IQ, and the offensive rebounding and rim protection, that's only statistically in advanced stats slightly less than Mitchell Robinson – Again, I think the other 29 teams in the NBA would value iHeart more. So I think the market for him would be major if we decided to utilize him in a signed trade uh, at the end of the season uh, in the summer instead of resigning him and we and just have Mitchell Robinson come back fully healthy. There are multiple options we have, and I hope we can keep both. But I think if we're going to trade one, iHeart might have the bigger and better market uh, as well. He can kind of dictate what his pay is going to be and what team he goes to, too. I think that's a very interesting point. Um, I do think iHeart's skill set does more match with the NBA's trending nowadays. So I can definitely see iHeart having more value on the market than Mitch when it comes to the when it comes to team. Here's the thing though, because Mitch is definitely more viable on the defensive end, and he's definitely an elite rim runner. The thing is, the Knicks don't have don't really have guys on their roster that utilize the lob threat to Mitch a lot of times. So that pretty much neutralizes Mitch on offense. You know, you can only do so much with him. So for the most part of Mitch, the only way Mitch can really get his points is through offensive rebounds and like putbacks. Right. So I do, I, I, I think the one hope I would have is the Knicks at least bring in somebody who, can, who at least has that floater threat whatever the case may be, and can and can actually, like, lob it to Mitch at times, actually utilize him on offense more. 
But I think with the way the team is set up, iHeart's I skill set definitely complements the team a bit more, I would say, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I think the other 29 teams see that too. And they've seen a difference, at least in how it's improved our pace and our transition uh, frequency and points per possession as well. And that's why I think iHeart has the bigger market uh, out there too. That, you know, Mitch is. I don't know what Mitch is sealing in out in in the areas that he doesn't have. Right? How good of a shooter can he become? How good of a free throw shooter can he become? What kind of touch or post moves can he add in the paint? I I don't think it's I don't think it's very much. But wh- how much better can iHeart get? He adds a three ball. Man, he's pretty. He might be all star potential if he had a three ball. Um, so we'll see. I think the summer will dictate that. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next person I would want to highlight tonight. I want to highlight the point guards because the point guards collectively played well. McBride, 19 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Malachi Malachi Flynn. So this game is probably the first game with the Knicks where he got extensive playing time where he was actually able to – where we were actually able to see what he can do on the court. And he played pretty well tonight in 10 minutes, 4 or 5 shooting from the field, 9 points. Three assists. He played well. So, Lee, what do you think about the point guard combination of McBride and Flynn tonight? I thought I was watching up uh, Pokemon Stadium, bro, when I saw Malachi Hartenstein <laughs> and Andy Vincenzo out there. Uh, the three different evolutionary <laughs> stages of, of the same character uh, is pretty adorable. Malachi, man, I remember I remember watching when I when I did watch Toronto, not just against the Knicks, but in general, he's a pretty good driver to the basket. I don't know what kind of shot he has just because he looks like Divincenzo doesn't mean he shoots like Divincenzo. And I don't ever remember having any type of intermediate game in terms of the mid range, but he is pretty good drive to the basket. So to me, it should be one of those situations where, Hey Tibbs, you can have a little bit shorter leash with McBride. Like you don't have to play McBride all the time in every scenario. If he's, if his shot's not falling, McBride's a minus on offense. Like his three point shot must be falling. If Flint could give you a different look and a few more intangibles, Maybe keep the pace a little bit more up tempo, which he was. Uh, I, I'm I'm cool with him cracking the rotation rotation situational opportunities. That's not necessarily Tibbs' style, but until we get that backup playmaker, I can't imagine Tibbs is satisfied with with McBride as a as a, as a backup uh, point guard. I think it's circumstantial because of where we are training IQ. I don't think that's either the front office nor the coaching staff's uh, preference is for it to be McBride. So, but you know they, they fill in. As bad of a game as McBride had yesterday, he had a good game today. I mean, his three ball was really on. Then he even hit a mid-range shot, uh, drove to the basket a couple of times. He was fine. You also got to think about his competition. Who's main in the middle over there? You're, you're doing this on G-leaders, and we know how McBride plays. When he's in the G-lead, he's Steph Curry. So that's pretty much who his competition was again, and he had a very good game. So you have to keep that at least a baseline level context in it. This is not an NBA team. We played tonight. It's a G League team, which made this this win as close to a loss as it possibly can be because of the effort and the defensive intensity and just the overall like, I, uh, offensive IQ. And there's no flow. And McBride's a part of that. You know, McBride prefers the game to be slowed down. He's a little bit more impactful in half-court sets. And Malachi pushes the pace a little bit more. And I wouldn't mind game where Malachi is the backup once Brunson comes back and just see what that looks like. Why not? I mean, there's literally you're not risking McBride's feelings. He's already signed for three years. Try it out. See what happens. Yeah, most definitely. Um, 
here's my thing. I think from what I saw from Flynn tonight, it does make me think, you know what? Maybe give him a chance here and there, see how he does. Yep. Because tonight he played well. I like to drive to the basket, finish out the rim really well. He did knock in a three, which was a really positive as which is a big positive as well. And I think he played well. And for all that McBride provides, and I know that McBride has been here longer. McBride knows the system. Um, his shooting has improved tremendously this season. He's knocking out his threes and things of that nature. That McBride doesn't really drive to the basket as well. You know, when Malachi Flynn is a bit more comfortable driving to the basket and finishing at the rim. So sometimes I think, you know, for a different look maybe, sometimes you'd be like, you know what, let's put in Flynn and see how he does, especially if you need to push the pace and things of that nature. Because like Lee said, McBride's not really a point guard that pushes pace like that. Flynn is. And I do feel like in this game, the Knicks needed somebody to push the pace more because they were playing very slow tonight. Every time they grabbed the rebound, they just – brought the ball up court slowly. There was no pace to the game and things of that nature. So sometimes if the Knicks can bring somebody like a Flynn to like at least switch up the pace a bit, I think that would be a good thing. But Flynn played well tonight. McBride played well tonight. And they were supposed to. They were playing against a team that, like like we said, they're just the pips out there. No star players or nothing like that. So those guys played well and took advantage of the opportunity. That's an example of what we all, maybe all of our least favorite thing about Tibbs is his failure to adjust to be creative when opportunities present themselves. Last game in Stalis, no Malachi Flynn, for sure. Kyrie's already cooking. Don't let him go off for 80 by having that guy guard him one-on-one. That's where you definitely need to do some pride. You also don't necessarily need to fast pace. because a fast pace actually p- plays into a Luterless Dallas Maverick team. You want to slow it down and keep in a half court and grind it out against bums like Dwight Powell and Brent Williams. But this Memphis team, I mean... Listen, that young point guard had a, probably a career night, but this is not necessarily a Deuce McBride, you know, 40-minute night. This is an opportunity where Malachi Flynn, you can run and get some easy buckets and and and, and take advantage of their lack of continuity as a, as a rotation. But Tibbs be Tibbet, man. Tibbs sticks to his script, and he doesn't veer off it unless it's like, I might get my ass fired tomorrow unless I don't. And that can lead to a, a lack of evolution in your team. No matter what pizzas you, you take away and add on and replace, you're never going to get the full potential out of it unless you have a superstar who does it himself because of Tibbs' unwillingness to be creative when opportunities present itself. Most definitely. And I think it'll be def- it'll definitely be interesting to see how the Knicks come out against the Magic on Monday because this is a team where – Right now, they're currently eighth in the East. As you, as you know, there's like a log jam between fourth and eighth. Yeah. And the Magic is a team where the Knicks cannot afford to play with the effort that they played with against the Mavericks, the way they started out that game, and against the Grizzlies, a team that pretty much had nobody on the court. And they came out with a half-assed effort in that game. They cannot do that against the Magic because if they do that against the Magic, they're going to get smacked. Yeah, it's, man, Orlando has a lot of sneaky, solid players uh, over there in the, in the back end of the rotation, most notably Mo, Mo, Mo Wagner and Jalen Suggs, two guys who are very good on defense and very fast-paced, high-octane guards. Now, Franz Wagner is not playing, Wendell Carter Jr. is not playing, but that actually plays some of the match at playing a little bit faster. So if we don't control the pace, we're going to get the doors blown off of us. 
And Orlando has gone a little bit of a skid, but they're still well over 500. There's no chance to drop out of the playoff hunt or the play-in hunt. Jamal Moses is a very good coach, a very good offensive coach. I mean, that is a superstar in waiting over there in Paolo Banchero. Like, I, they have a solid roster. That young that young kid at center, Gogo or Ogoda, he's been playing really well too. Like, their team, not to take lightly, this is not the Pips. They have Glass Knight over there. That's who Paolo Banchero is. So, they're definitely, they bring this, this same energy and this same level of play. We don't get smacked against the Orlando Magic. Uh-oh, coming in with a chair. <laughs> Cuba Stone Cold music. We got Ebony, baby. Let's go. I got my hater blockers on like Clyde. What's up, okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Yes, yes, yes. So welcome, Ebony, to the chat. So we basically talked a whole lot about this game. So pretty much just fire off your thoughts about the game. What you saw, what got you, what what made you happy, what made you upset? Just just let it out right now. Just let it right out. Well, <laughs> first of all, what, what made me upset was uh the tone set out the gate. It was kind of crazy, yo. Julius looked like you know he wanted to set the tone, but it was a little bit of a force in the beginning, like all game to be honest. And um, his decision making today was a little iffy, a lot iffy to be honest. Um. <laughs> A lot of people's uh, decision-making. We were turning the ball over left and right. Um, the bright spot, Deuce McBride. Uh, I thought Malachi Flynn was the bright spot. I was kind of surprised that Tibbs didn't put him in at all in the second half. Like That was pretty pretty surprising for me. But it kind of reminds me of, 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 you know, maybe – I don't. I don't like to do narratives though. But you know, Tibbs. Tibbs. I don't know. He, he likes people, and then he doesn't. I. I don't. I don't know. Uh, Malachi was playing pretty good, and this is a perfect game to see what he has. You know, I know Deuce is Deuce, but he could have. He could have found Malachi some minutes in the second yep. second half. Maybe we could see some more and, and and help. Or maybe they were like, uh, okay, that's enough. That's good. Some good take. You know, that's enough. We don't want you to mess your tape up, you know, <laughs> like uh, let, let's 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 in case they're trying to move, move him uh, to another team or whatnot. But I just thought the effort in the beginning of the first half, it was just of like they th thought they had it in the bag. And again, you can't underestimate uh, NBA players because these kids are going to they want to they're, they're playing for their name, their next team, if not this team, you know, so it's always it always can be. Uh, the next man up, and as you can so see, we see G was a Gigi Jackson, a very promising uh young 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 talent. I'm seeing because he he definitely went off on us, <laughs> and um yeah, I just uh, with, with Randall, I, I need him to stay locked in. That that's all. I really I really not even just the scoring part, but period. The the he was Miss Fritta for real because he was just a bull in the china shop. <laughs> <laughs> just uh you know and they're looking for it because they're calling offensive fouls on him left and right so it's obviously a point of emphasis maybe that people are talking about because he he is you know being unstoppable in that one-on-one -on -one. you got to start talking to the refs after that you know ref watch watch him please watch him but um yeah two games with uh we struggled against teams we shouldn't have struggled that's not a good sign it's not uh, I did like that OB, uh, OG showed a little uh, create, shot creation. It, it doesn't look very 
it doesn't look fluent on him, guys. And I, and I spoke about this before, but like seeing more of him, it doesn't it doesn't look fluent at times. And uh, I you know he's young, so that'll come. But right now, it just doesn't look very like that's natural for him. And yeah, who well, Deuce? Yeah, I, I love what Deuce did. He was get trying to get people involved. Him and iHeart have a a good a good chemistry. Like I like what the him and iHeart how him and iHeart uh move together. Um, yeah, he does uh, his shot is 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 translating to the NBA. No more. We 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 might have to leave the G League Deuce uh, narrative to 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 last year. <laughs> <laughs> because uh that shot has come through to the NBA. Definitely. It's coming through. Um and again we talk about his handle like I do too. But uh he was getting to the rim today. Um he was definitely getting to the rim. He was getting to the bucket. And he was getting other people involved. I th- I thought Deuce played a great game. I did. Uh th- I I did think. And I don't know if anybody thought, but uh, Malachi, not saying he is D-Rose likes, but his mannerisms remind me of D-Rose. Like, just his dribbling, like, the, I want to say his play, but the, his stature, I want to say, kind of gave me a little D, D-Rose-ish kind of vibe. I don't know, Flynn, Flynn, he, he's not getting any burn. After what we see today, he couldn't get in the second half after scoring nine points. He's He's not. That might be another a piece for another move. <laughs> Ebony, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Deuce and the G the G Lee narrative because I before you got on, I brought that up because tonight he, Deuce did have maybe his best game ever, but it was against some G Lee talent. Like all, <laughs> all ten guys that play for Memphis are all G Lee players. We'll be G Lee players tomorrow, next year, <laughs> year after, until we get eventually cut. So I, I don't, I don't know. know. The, the the secondary players of uh, Memphis always get us, y'all. I I remember Al Dama like killing us. So <laughs> yeah. Playing. Like yeah, I see. Look, I remember his name. That's how you know. Like <laughs> he's not a prominent player. He's a, a young up and coming player, but you know he's not a big, big, big star yet in the right. league. But I definitely remember him because he's he was tall and he could shoot and he killed us. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, but luckily Al Dama did not play tonight because he's one of those eight that was out for the Grizzlies. So yes. Yeah. I need, yeah. see, I need to see more from Deuce consistently. Yes. Uh, I need like a, a string of games, four or five sets games in a row where he's shooting at least 38% from three and 47, 48% from the field. Uh, it's it's too inconsistent right now. And you know the playmaker is never, the playmaker is never going to be there. It's just not his game. The defense will, the on-ball defense will, the point of attack defense will, but maybe the three-point shot will because we're seeing that. But I just, I got to see more. I need to see a variety. I need to send it to the hoop and, and help yeah. open up some of the spacing. That's that's why today kind of it, it impressed me a little bit because about the playmaking. Um, he was getting people involved. You know, he was looking to get drives to the hoop and kick out today a lot more. And again, you said it's not against the stars of, of Memphis, but um, they're still NBA players. And again, they're trying to stay making. They're trying to get the bag. So as you can see, people step up when when they give opportunity. They're trying to get their next job, if not with, again with Memphis, but. I thought I thought Deuce did a good job. I would he have like seven assists, six assists, I'm not sure. But um I thought he did a, a good job trying to get everybody involved and hitting hitting the open man to today. Um and that's something that I questioned also too to uh, Lee was his playmaking. And his first step, man, for him to be so small, his first step yep. is lacking. It's like mine. 
Oh, damn. You, you hear that, McBride? Got to get back in the gym. Improve that first step, my guy. Improve that first step. Because the first step is looking a lot like Lee right now. That's pretty good. <laughs> Lee about to put on his hand and block so you. He good. <laughs> It's the, the Clyde's on. Clyde had me rolling today. For real, I mean, I don't, I don't, I haven't checked Clyde so fly on Instagram as of yet because that Instagram page pretty much rates every single Clyde look from game to game. But I'm pretty sure with those shades, they, they, they must have gave my man an A plus tonight because those shades completed the look. My guy Clyde was in Memphis, so you already know he had to put on for the city. That's yeah. But yeah, one thing again with the Randall again, like he like him and Tibbs. It's him and Tibbs. It's him and Tibbs. And every time, every time, y'all, I be ready to be all in. I be like, yeah. Then they 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 make me go, come on. With the with Randall today, it was a little regression with the effort. Um, I seen him watching a lot. Yes, I seen yeah. him watching a lot. So. Uh, again, I was giving him credit for that, giving him credit for doing it on both sides, the the, the effort, running the lanes, seeing him walking up the court today, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on, and again, it's a long season, and and it's two games, but I, I'm on notice. I, I see I see it, and um, it was. I hope it's just uh maybe a fatigue for right now, or but not something that continues, you know. Because I thought he, huh? Sorry. Uh, so you're spot on. And the worst part about it, the, the watching he was doing, it wasn't like he was on one side and he was watching the action on the other. It was when his man was driving to the lane and he's right in front of him and he just watches him go by. I'm like, damn, bro. Think about how Jalen Brunson puts his body on the line almost every possession, drawing charges, number one in the lead. Right, I ran. You can't, you can't do that one time a game, two time a game. Come on, man. He, he had to do that. I heart was ready to. Uh, iHeart was ready to, to, he had, iHeart had this guy slamming the ball rowdy before halftime. And Randall just let him do a little spin move, lay him up. I'm like, come on, Randall, come on. Like, this is what I'm talking about. And I get it. It's no perfect basketball player. So when, when we talk about, like, how can you critique him and he's playing so well, but these are the things that he needs to improve to take him to that next level. Like that's all we want is him. we see that we see the talent, but it's some things that he does that will prevent him from being that next level where they respect him as a superstar, all star. You you get what I'm saying? Like his temperament, his 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 decision making. Like you have it's a long season though, so I'm not gonna go too crazy on him. I just hope this doesn't continue. I love Randall, but I have to admit it's troubling when he's not willing to do those things. In an easy game, middle of the season game against Memphis, a depleted Memphis, how can you count on him to do that in a playoff series? That's the type of shit that really it stresses me, it worries me, and it it, it makes me uh, I, I, it's too complex between what I'm seeing now and what could be in the future. I can't fully embrace and appreciate the All NBA scoring, the unbelievable like rebounds and the percentage numbers because. The little things he's not doing when it comes as easy as possible against David Roddy. How is he going to do that against Evan Mobley or Jared Allen again in the playoffs? Like, or Bam and Jimmy. It's like, damn, man, this is when you can really show out. You ain't doing it now. Will you ever? I don't know. Here's my thing with Randall, though, because – and this is the most upsetting thing about Randall because 
he has shown in games that he can be engaged on defense. It's not like it's not like it's a case where he's never engaged. He has shown that he can be engaged. And originally when OG just came to the Knicks, those first few games, he was playing with great effort on the defensive side of the ball. And it's like, okay, so if you're capable of doing this, if you're capable of playing with that kind of effort on the defensive side of the ball, why is this not an every night thing? Now I understand sometimes during the season you have, you know, moments, you know, or a string of games where you're not playing like yourself or the energy is not there, whatever the case may be. I understand that. But at the same time, it's like, if you can play with that kind of effort on the defensive side of the ball, why is it not more consistent game to game? Why is it you do it for like a couple of games and then like the next three, four games, you're just playing lackadaisical on defense. And that's my main thing with Randall. Yeah. Agreed. Well said. Definitely. I definitely also, 100% yeah. agree. <laughs> the Mavs <laughs> lost today to the New Orleans Pelicans who didn't have C.J. McCollum, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. Like, damn. Mavs not light us up, but did they lose that New Orleans team at home? Come on, bro. Uh, the, Hawks, the Hawks lost to Washington by how much? It was. It was. I think it was more than twenty. Wow. Let, let, let me check. I don't want to. Let me see. If that's the case, the Jonathan Murray getting traded tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> getting traded tomorrow. Somebody, I was, I was reading the timeline. They was keeping updated. They was like, "Y'all losing to the Wizards." <laughs> Chris was posting in the chat that the Wizards beat the Hawks by twenty-eight. Yep. Wow. Well, look, see, twenty-eight. I said twenty plus twenty-eight. Yep, I, I see it now. One twenty-seven to ninety-nine. Yikes! Yikes is right. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely gonna be a broad pick right there. Because I don't know how you lose to the Wizards by twenty-eight points. That's definitely a broad pick. <laughs> oh. I got a broad pick. I'm wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Bart Scott. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me just shout out the chat right quick. Thank you for rocking with us on a Saturday night. I know y'all can be outside, but you're here with the KOT show. We appreciate it. I'm going to shout out the chat right quick. Matthew Thompson, Amazement 717, Glamour Knicks, Alexander, the best mod in the game, Fritz holding it down as always. Everybody in the chat with us, thank you very much. And I think we've covered a lot in this game. Um, not really a whole lot to cover because it's against a Grizzly team. Like, no pips, no stars. I mean, no stars, just the pips. The Knicks did what they had to do, even though they, it, even though it was a half-ass effort. They did what they had to do and win this game. So I guess we shall move on to the broad picks. So if, you're, if y'all are not familiar, the broad picks are basically things that happen in the NBA, any sport, or just life in general that just make you just shake your head or – just say bruh or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, along those lines. So I'm going to get right into it. Ebony, what is your bra pick? Yeah, my bra. Well, real quick, real quick. Can I talk about Grimes? Oh, yeah. Can I say one thing about Grimes? Yeah. I just well, I forgot. I remember uh, Grimes, the, the game is still hasn't slowed down for him. I, I realized OG was trying to set a pick for him, to, for him to take the baseline. And, like, he didn't see it. And he went the opposite way. Like and, and took a terrible three point shot at that. He he doesn't know when to shoot. He, he it's like very in between me with him. Um, I, I think I think he needs to uh yeah I don't know. And he, he needs to woo side a little bit. Slow down. I think he's in his head again. 
But that's all I wanted to say about, about crimes. And my bro pick for the day is Stacy Pat. I mean, Stacy King. I was about to say Stacy Pat. Stacy King. We ain't have nothing to do with the situation at all. Nothing to do with, with Chicago's situation. The ceremony, nothing. New York, Philadelphia, we had nothing to do with that ceremony. That was for the Bulls, then their franchise. And they chose the crowd, live crowd chose to, to boo. Boo uh the the owner's widowed wife because you know Jerry Krause because they didn't whatever, whatever feelings they had towards him and made this older lady, elder lady cry in the mix, you know, in, in on live TV basically in front of a whole crowd. And then Stacey King says, you know, this is uh, basically saying in Chicago, this, this is not New York or, or, or Philadelphia. You get what I'm saying? But that, that's exactly, it's not New York or Philadelphia. It was Chicago. <laughs> New York or Philadelphia would never. We boo people that are still alive, that they can, you know, show us something or defend themselves. You get what I'm saying? We're not going, that, that's not how it goes. That's not how it goes. We boo our own because they're not doing what we 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 uh we think. Not 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 we're not booing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, their widow or 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 greats before us. <laughs> we value Steve Steve Nob not to, to to put anything on Steve Novak because I absolutely love him. But other people outside of New York like yo Steve Novak, you get what I'm saying? But to us, Steve Novak is Steve, you know, Steve Novak. <laughs> you know, discount the, the belt, hitting them threes at will. We show respect to hard workers. We would never. Like, so that he got to get the brother day, the goof troop, all that captain of the goof troops. Whose man's is this? He get all of it. <laughs> he gets all of it. Because we had nothing to do with it. Own you, own you. That's you and your people. You and your Chicago people. That had nothing to do with Philly and New York. Yeah, I, um, I did want to say something right quick about that because that was going to definitely be one of my broad picks. You know, the Bulls fans booing Jerry Cross and his widow wife is there and everything and made her cry, whatever the case may be. But here's my thing, though. This shows how ungrateful the Chicago Bulls fan base is because that man was a GM during your dynasty where the Bulls won six rings so yeah we know michael jordan is the goal you know michael jordan led that team to the rings or whatever the case may be but still there was a team the team had to be built around jordan's skill set and the right place had to be put had to be put around jordan for him to lead that team to a championship and that man was the gm during that time now whatever feelings you may have towards kraus after the fact you know whether he was the i, I mean i of course, you know, you watch um Jordan's um special, the um The Last Dance, you know, where they kind of went into it and saying like how he broke up the team and things of that nature. So whatever ill feelings you have towards the man, at the end of the day, the man has passed away. That's number one. Number two, that man was still the GM during your damn dynasty. So show so show at least some type of respect for the man because he contributed. To y'all winning those damn six rings. Talk and then Stacey King talking, talking about that's we're not New York. Oh, please, I put money on it. If Leon Rose was to build this team and, and win a championship, 
Leon Rose could do anything after that. And I bet you money when Leon Rose come back to the Garden, we're going to show him love just for the simple fact that he bought a championship to New York. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you could go, you could go ahead, Lee. I'll take it a step further. I don't even. I think if twenty years from now, twenty years from now, Isaiah Thomas's widow is honored. Say Dolan Summers honor Isaiah Thomas for whatever reason. Isaiah Thomas may be the worst GM in its history. There are multiple, which makes it difficult. But for me and my fandom, Isaiah Thomas was complete ass. If his widow was there, New York Knicks fans would not boo her. Based on no championships, total chaos, laughing stuff in the NBA. She still wouldn't be booed by New York Knit fans because even in their mind, they recognize two things. One, he and her are human beings, and he's not there to defend himself. And two, he's also one of the greatest players in NBA history. You have to respect the good and the bad. And Jerry Krause, while he did not draft Michael Jordan, he did draft Horace Grant. He did draft Scottie Pippen. He did fire Doug Collins and elevate Phil Jackson. He did trade for Dennis Rodman. He did bring six championships. My God. You are choosing by booing to focus on what the five years after the Kirk Heinrich Ben Gordon years instead of six championships, the greatest player in NBA history and the greatest team in NBA history. You're focusing on the five bad years instead of that, bro. You deserve every Ben Gordon brick shot in the history of his career. You deserve every bad thing that comes to you. You deserve Billy Donovan's bum ass. You deserve Vinny Del Negro's bum ass. You deserve having Ben Wallace way past his prime. Like you deserve every bad thing that's ever happened to you. You are Eddie Curry, bro. Sit your ass down. Horrible tra trash. Yeah. And this is the reason why the Bulls have not had a finals appearance since 98, their last championship. Oh, I got another bro pit. And and I, I real quick I wanted to add on the craziest thing about the notion about us is that we wooed and all that other crazy. But we were so we respect the game so much that when Stephen Curry broke his record on our floor, we gave him the respect that he deserved. And then after it was over, it's like, okay, now business, let's get this game. That's just where we are. We appreciate the game of basketball. We realize that. We're going to give you your respect, your flowers, but we're trying to win this game. And we're going to talk junk while we do it. That's just New York way. So people, they misconstrue that with rude and, 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 you know, no, we just, that's just the New York way. We talk junk. There's a lot of people around us. You're going to talk your junk. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I just thought that was real goofy of, of him. Real captain of the goof troops. Who's mean? <laughs> Bruh. All of them remixing on him. He deserve it all. All facts. All facts. Um, Lee, do you have any bra picks? Yeah, man. John Jonathan Majors is from the same. Literally, he grew up two streets down from where I grew up in South Dallas. Jonathan Majors. Uh, I hate seeing the the fallout of his career. Uh, I hope he has he's able to bounce back even. Um, you know, once he pays his dues to, and his debt to society. But he got fired today, speaking to Dennis Robin from playing Dennis Robin, someone who also grew up in the same neighborhood as he and I. And it, the beautiful synergy, the poeticness of him playing Robin and now being fired for it, I mean, too controversial to even play Dennis Robin, that speaks volumes. Uh, man, bro, picked up a day is Jonathan Majors for completely derailing and destroying his career uh, after a couple of really bad decision, de decisions uh, and being found guilty in his, his career now is in a toilet. And to no longer play the unbelievable great, one of my number one icons, obviously, Dennis Robin, man. Brought pit to you, Majors. But I do hope you turn it around.
Most definitely, most definitely. Um, R.I.P. to Kane the Conqueror. Um, okay, so I guess that is our show. I don't have any broad picks today. My my lone broad pick was the Bulls. Ebony brought it up, so I had to say my so I said my piece as well. So that is the broad picks. And right. As we have reached, oh, you have something else? Yeah, to say, real Ebony? quick before we get out, because you know right. I had to bring something, and, I, and I'm noticing the common theme. We need to stay. Away from states that are uh, that the barbecue states, you know, the states that the city with the, with the barbecue joints, we need to stay away from them because it seems like we, we're a little sluggish. I'm thinking Irish, so I had to, I had to bring, I had to bring a prop. I got the fake chicken over here. <laughs> this is this is the fake chicken. Oh, this might be a pork chop. <laughs> See, well, barbecue pork chops, whatever. Like they gotta um, stay out. Of, they gotta stay away from the barbecue joints. That's what it is. Basically, what Ebony's trying to say is that when our team go to cities where there's nice barbecue, our team turns into a bunch of Zions. That's basically what <laughs> Ebony's trying to say. I don't know. So far, they're proving me right. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh man. So yes, that is our show. Thank you for rocking with us tonight. So we're gonna drop the social media. Ebony, where can they find your social media? You can find me here every post game. You can find me on X at Mad Nick Fan and every pregame at Your Take Nicks, running space, and also coming again doing it more uh Present, past, and future on the VSN network. Just about you know uh, the NBA in general. You know from we just just try to uh, pick teams and er- like last time we did it, we talked about uh, Chris Webber's uh, Sacramento the year that uh, Tim Donahue had had screwed them. So yes, yeah, the things of that nature. But in uh, in Instagram, I'm t- I promise I'm, I'm getting better, y'all. And, and that's it. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Lee, where can they find you on social media? I'm actually going to use this time to shout out for the chat to find someone else on social media and follow her and her niche takes. I'm going to shout out Teresa Miss T at T-P-O-W-E T-P-O-W-E underscore 10311. I'm shouting out Miss Teresa for a reason because her writing, the only substract, substat that I uh, subscribe to, inspired me to be more personal on my own. She uses I a lot and she relates everything she's writing about to her own experience and how she feels about players. And her writing inspired me, the Carmelo Anthony piece that I wrote, that I talked to her before I wrote it and after I wrote it and got her feedback on it. She's someone who's writing I really respect and I want to use my time to shout her out, thank her, and then give her a handle. Y'all go follow uh, Miss Teresa, brilliant basketball mind. Great writer. Can, can, can I can I, can I I say something real quick? Yeah, mm-hmm. That is my big sis. That is uh the co-host of Ball of the Queens. I speak to her uh, just about every other day. Like a great human being. I don't. If you're watching Queen, you know I love you. And yes, yes, a great writer. She's right straight from the heart. It's straight from the heart. And uh, and I I still respect her and, and, and love her. So shouts out to uh Queen T and, yep. and Queen P too. I love you too. Those are my co-hosts for Balling with the Queen when we do uh, uh Liberty coverage. So, yeah. And also, you know, God do it for the homies, man. It's book club time. Today is my <laughs> number one favorite poet in the entire world. His name is Philip Levine. He has since passed. He was the uh, poet uh, Nobel laureate for United States 
He was also the winner of a National Book Award, also the winner, um, uh, also a, nom a nominee for the Pulitzer Prize as well. Uh, Philip Levine wrote a lot about working class people. He grew up in a working class family in Detroit, Michigan. Like myself, I grew up in a very blue collar family. My mom worked at Sack and Save. My father was a machinist. And his writing speaks very near to me because he writes about the common person, the people who aren't usually the subject of poems. So I want to read a little bit of my favorite book of his, which is What Work Is, and the poem that inspired the book and is probably my favorite of all of his, which is also titled what work is. I'm going to read you a small little section. It's about his brother, uh, his blood relative, so no pause needed. He does talk about him a kiss on cheek. Uh, so I want to preface it with that, but it's a very, very beautiful love letter to his brother. Um, and so I'll read a few lines from it. How long has it been since you told him you loved him, held his wide shoulders, opened your eyes wide, and said those words? And maybe kissed his cheek. You've never done something so simple so obvious, not because you're too young or too dumb, not because you're jealous or even mean or incapable of crying in the presence of another man. No, just because you don't know what work is. Philip Levine, rest in peace, my man. The Nick of Time Show, the only Knicks post-game show in, the, in these YouTube streets where you can talk Knicks basketball and have a book club and have poetry said on the show. Let's and, go, baby. And you're going to get a toy review. <laughs> <laughs> Mama Ebony. <laughs> I love it. Facts. That's great, man. All different personalities coming together for one team that we both love to death, man. Drives, us crazy. Drives us crazy. Damn near. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the love of the game. It's the, what makes it special. Uh, definitely, um, and, and that we could all see the games from different angles and still, you know, come come in the, in the middle for us, you know. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was actually wild. But yeah, go ahead and pause. I used it like a comma. It was like a comma. <laughs> and y'all can find me on Twitter at Ryan JKOT. You can also find me on Instagram at Sir G is chilling. S I R G is C H I L L I N. And you know what? I do have a bro. It just popped up to me right now. The Miami Dolphins losing to the Kansas City Chiefs 26 to 7. You know why the Miami Dolphins get my bro? Because last week they had a chance to win the AFC East where they would play at home, where it's nice and warm in Miami. Not only did they lose that game to the Bills, that resulted in them having to go to Kansas City, being a warm-weather team, playing in negative temperatures, trying to beat the damn Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions. That's where y'all get Miami. Y'all had a chance. You ruined it. You had to go to cold-ass Kansas City and get your ass beat. Yep. It, and it, it could it couldn't have been fun in that weather, especially when, when you're used to being in Miami. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You see, a uh, New York wasn't with it. The governor was like, "Nah, nah, nah." No, no, no. We're not doing that here. But facts, facts, and that is our show. Thank you for rocking with us on a Saturday night. Hope everyone has a good night. And as always, shout out to World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. That is our show. We out.
Peace.